Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for the tips, tricks, and tales of interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on to the show. All right. So, last time you were on the show, we dubbed you the Jack of All Trades, which I feel like is just still the best description for you. You're a Renaissance man. Trained landscape architect, interior designer, gardener, floral expert, author. You have nine books, which is crazy. Nine. <laughs> like, that's nuts. Your most recent one, Arriving Home, A Gracious Southern Welcome from Gib Smith, is what we're here to chat about today. This one is about interior design. You have one, oh my gosh, lots of gardening books, recipes. You've got some all about outdoor spaces, wreaths specifically. You pretty much cover all of the most important topics. I don't think I just said your name. It's James Farmer. I mean, your spaces are just like a hug. They are. That That's the highest compliment I can receive. Feels like a hug. You know, when I was at Auburn, I, I studied art history, which is the segue to interiors and then you know, the landscape, you know, so dual studies and degrees that lead me to my profession. But, you know, no client has ever asked me which professional affiliation I'm a part of and and any of those. And what I love is that what they asked me about is, well, you know, this color green reminds me of the color green of the rosemary outside. And it's the connection of how inside and outside work, not only in the way that I live, but in our clients' homes. And I want them to feel that hug. So I'm very thankful that we have clients that trust us can't believe that what I do for a living is what I do for a living. Well, to kind of dovetail on what Caroline said about your rooms, to me, they look like they've been there forever and not in an old granny way. You know what I mean? They just look like, how could they be anything else than what they are? It just, they just seem like they're the perfect embodiment of what that room's supposed to be. And it should stay like that forever. I want there to be such a classic traditional feel that it doesn't look like it was done by a certain time period trend or um, persuasion. I would love for it to say, oh, there's been a professional hand for sure, because that's how you achieve some of those wonderful things. You like this wallpaper? Great. Well, let us custom color it for you. You know, we have so many ways that we can make your, your house your home. And the whole scheme of it all is the way that I grew up, the way that I was influenced, my mother, my grandmother, the you know the the garden club ladies of my hometown, their homes are what inspired me. When you stay traditional, it lasts for so much longer. The shelf life of your interior design just has a longer stability. And I love a twist on tradition. But if my rooms have that granny hug, well, then I'm doing something. Right. <laughs> the thing I love too about your work is I feel like you are someone that knows what you love and you just love it so passionately and you get so much joy from things that you just have to work them into every space. Like, you know, like for example, okay, this is so funny. Oyster plates. First off, do your clients actually own oyster plates? We always joke with our clients like this. So even if your grandmother did not collect oyster plates, well, we've rewritten your family history. I'm passionate about oyster plates and I love to hang them on the wall. But I have this nostalgia because oyster plates 
were used as oyster plates. And they're these fabulous works of art that are gorgeous and they're going to sit in a shelf or in a cabinet. They're not going to be used. We don't use them like they used to use, but it's a way of bringing the past in, into the present. There's nothing you know sadder than a stack of oyster plates in the bottom of someone's sideboard. They'd be much better hung on a wall. So that's kind of my approach to it. The way you do it is fabulous. Okay, here's the other thing that you just love unapologetically, a patterned and pleated lampshade. So here's my case for lampshades. When the first lampshade was created, okay, let's say that it's this prehistoric couple and they're living in their cave and the light is a little too bright from the fire. And how do we dim and set the mood on and on? Was it a white drum? No, no, no. It was probably an antelope skin. You know, it was some kind of cool leather. The first ever lampshade was not a white drum shade. It was some kind of material and fabric. It was something that had texture and had color. I don't feel like I'm doing anything avant-garde with it. I feel like I'm just going back to what they what they would have been. I feel like if anyone was ever on the fence about the pleated lampshade, pick up your book, Arriving Home, and you will be sold. All in. Like, I mean, they, they, all they, all, they all look fabulous. The colors don't necessarily have to match the lamp base with the shade. Like you said, you can really customize it. Well, it's like a throw pillow on a sofa. You can mix and match your pillows, and it's a way, it's a way to accessorize. I think a lampshade is what makes or breaks a lamp. Are there any guidelines you can give people? Okay, you want to treat a lamp like you would how you're dressing. So you have to have hardware involved with a lamp. You've got to have a neck. You've got to have a harp. There, there are things that you don't want to see. So you don't really want to see the neck and the hardware. So a shorter harp and a wider base of a lampshade are often your, your ticket. I love, you know, seven and seven and a half, eight inch harps. And I love that 16, 17 um, inch diameter shade. And the reason I like those is they're a little, they've got that width at the bottom. They're not too tall and you're not seeing the neck of the lamp. You know, you're not seeing the hardware. So that's one trick is to cover up. So, you know, treat, treat your neck like whatever your, your lamp, like maybe your neck, if it's cold, wear a turtleneck or a scarf. The other kind of rule of thumb that people often forget or may not realize light bulbs, the light bulb doesn't have to be the giant, huge light bulb, it can be a small light bulb, which allows for the, the shade and the heart to come down a little bit lower. So you're not having to buy a lamp shade that's 20 inches wide, 20 inches tall. If I'm going to have four, five, six lamps in a room, then all the lamp shades, you've got to have some tailoring. You've got to have some conformity. So by shortening the heart, shortening the light bulb, I'm able to kind of condense that because the lamp itself may be 28, 29 inches tall. And you have to kind of think about the scale of it. So you don't want to add that much height to it. And I also think about the placement. Are you sitting in a chair and you're looking up and you're seeing the hardware? So on the light bulb thing, always use frosted light bulbs, because if you don't, you see the shadow of the hardware on the wall and the ceiling. So a frosted light bulb won't do that. That was a trick my my mother taught me years ago. No one's ever said that before. That's first time anyone's ever told us frosted light bulb. Frosted light bulb. I'm just as passionate about light bulbs as I am lampshades. That was a good lesson. Thank you. So one of the things that you mentioned early on in this book, and that I noticed visually quite a few times, and it works so great, is this trick you've got of using three sofas in a room, right? 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think so many people these days have these larger open floor plan homes and really struggle with the layout. Can you talk about that, how that works and what you're doing and why it's so awesome? Yeah. So the three sofa combo, it comes into play. One, I arrange rooms thinking about the seasons. So if I if I want to build a fire and snuggle by the fire, you know, I love a small settee, love seat, smaller scale, apartment size sofa. Two of those close to a fireplace, that's wonderful because if I'm sitting by the fire reading or if I want to stretch out a little bit, those two create that tet to tet, that little moment where two, four, six people can squeeze right there. Not every room can afford the size of this such furniture, but Often in these older homes that we're working in, you have these grander living rooms and we're tasked with making them true living rooms where they're not just, okay, well, we sat in here for Christmas morning and never came in here again. So that is one of the go-to arrangements that I use. Well, speaking of sofas, okay, to the same point that you don't you don't like a white shade, you don't do a neutral sofa. Mm-hmm. Sir. sir. You are all about a patterned sofa. There were maybe three in the book that were solids, and they were color, blue, green. There was even one that was sort of like a caramel color, leather. But you are all about the patterned sofa, and I feel like that is a hard look to pull off for many people. But tell us your reasoning and how to to do it, because they are patterned, but oftentimes they're not super loud. So kind of explain to people. How to do the pattern sofa right. I'll tell you how to do a pattern sofa right. (laughs) I think that cheetah, ocelot, stray, velvet, they are neutral in my book. Do you know what does not show that little drop of Rocky Road ice cream that I dripped on the sofa? A cheetah print sofa. (laughs) Do you know what doesn't show dog hair? Mm -hmm. An ocelot printed sofa. So I do, I mean, there's like beach projects we'd use, um, like indoor, we use outdoor fabric and we we use white, you know, there because that can kind of, it just kind of works for that aesthetic. But typically, you know, sofa, if it is a solid, it's then a stray velvet that has that little stray, you know, demarcation in it. But then we often channel quilt our sofas as well. And what that does is it creates that visual texture. So it's not if you spill something on your sofa or if your dog hops up there, it's when. And I never want, you know, our sofas or rooms or anything that we do to be untouchable. It's meant to be lived in and on. And a patterned sofa is just more forgiving. Well, I mean, I think you have that same love for big, bold florals, too. I do love pattern. Not that I don't love solid. I wore a solid collared shirt for Halloween last year. And I was that, that was I was the scariest version of myself is what I was. (laughs) <laughs> that does not seem like something you would wear. You own a black no, shirt. No, <laughs> I had to. I had to order one. <laughs> <laughs> so, to most people, you know, a, a three pattern on a pattern on a sofa may be a lot. That's the sofa that the kids are going to say, "Wait, no, I want that sofa." No, I want, or the grandkids are going to say, "It's still here," and I love my sofas to last a while. And thankfully, our clients will trust us with it. Well, I will tell you, I, when I was ordering a sofa, I got the swatch and I was like, okay, here here are my liquids that I consume the most. Coffee, poured coffee on it. All right. That doesn't look so bad. Like you can't really see it. Wine. Okay. Yep. So you, I highly suggest that to people. Order yard and then put it mm-hmm. through the ringer. Eat your ice cream on it. You know, have your dog, put it over your dog bed so your dog yep. wallers on it. <laughs> 
But if you go back to like the pattern play, like if I look outside of my garden, I'm seeing, you know, a dozen different shades of green. I'm seeing different shapes of leaves. I'm seeing the textures of a boxwood hedge and a low quiet leaf and the fluffiness of a geranium and then the strict lines of brick. I'm just doing the same thing. In That's the such a great way to look at it. I never really thought of it like that at all. And I'm looking out my window as you say that. I'm like, you're right. That's it's sort of freeing to think about it that way. You don't have to be so tied to like, does it match? The word that I use is unapologetic. Don't say, oh, I'm sorry that this doesn't match. Well, in in design, it's curated to me. Like it's not just, I'm not just being wild. And let's just hope that all this I'm going to shake up in a bottle and spray in your living room is going to work. No, there, there's there's a method to the madness and there's direction to it. But I love the forgiveness of the patterns and I also love that to be unapologetic about it and say, well, I'm, you know, rather than say, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have a whole furniture suit from the furniture store that everyone bought. No, 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 no. Mix and match, curate it. And y'all are so great about that too. In fact, the, well, the latest, latest catalog, it's just, it's yummy. Thank you. Well, it's funny because I do think, you know, we do technically sell sets, but we we never show them as a set. And it's not right. as though we're like, okay, you want the bed. We have a we have a bed and we have the matching nightstand and the dresser. But that's mostly because like if you want the look, if you like the look of this, but you already have a bed, like, okay, here's the, the dresser option. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not with the intention of it Matching all being mm-hmm. in the same room together. Okay, Those, next on my list, let's things that you are passionate about. Ah. Wallpaper. There's not a single plain drywall, solid wall in the whole book. I looked after I, I got about halfway through. <laughs> I went back, went back, looked through it again. Was examining every wall. And there's not a single one that's just plain drywall. If mm-hmm. there are some paneled ones, yeah, there's paneling. But there's- James, is that something new for you? I know wallpaper's hot right now, or is it something you've been in love with forever? Okay. I've always been in love with wallpaper and I'm just going to, I had to kind of be a little, little smart with a client fairly recently. The husband said, well, first he got the wallpaper quote, but he said, <laughs> I mean, he goes grass claw. He said, I mean, are you talking about this like back? Like I remember being in my granddad's study in the seventies and I said, hold up Buster. When Cleopatra decorated the pyramids, you know what I'm saying? When, when Julius Caesar was having the Colosseum, I mean, it wasn't right. like sheetrock with the white lampshade with the white lampshade. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know where all, where it all happened, where all your doors, lampshades and walls had to be white. And honestly, when someone can pull off like that, like that severity, more power to them. But we design homes. These homes have to have kids and grandkids that have, have dogs that jump on the sofas. It's an English country house approach for Southern country homes and a few scattered around the country. And what that does is it allows us to give texture it allows us to give warmth and layering you know to a room one of the best examples that i that i use is with the wallpaper in particular is paint can do wonders and we know how the power of paint but if you paint drywall or if you put a stray or a or a painted paper on drywall one of them immediately has a stronger effect of presence of depth of visual texture because drywall is dry wall. And guess what it's doing? It's soaking up paint. So it's a great foundation for me to put up wallpaper. We're a great example. We're working on a, a wonderful old house in Charleston. 
all the walls are plaster. They're going to crack if you walk too heavy, you know, next to one of those. And in order to be able to, you know, you do one stroke of paint and it soaks it up so much. And in order to get that luster, that sheen, that depth, you can either, you know, import a shipload of paint from England and then that's just a start. Or you can use a paper that you has the has the paint and the finish, the texture or and maybe even pattern applied to it. So that gave us that effect. And it also hides the cracks and things that plaster can tend can tend to do. So I don't have anything against sheetrock. It's the base for all my <laughs> it's the base <laughs> for all my wallpaper. Well, I was also just wondering too if it gives those rooms age, like it, immediately, you know, because nothing there's nothing about a fresh wall of drywall that says I've been here forever, you know. <laughs> so. It says I just moved in and I'm now depressed <laughs> in my house. So let's let's do it. <laughs> Let me ask you this, James, because your your rooms are so timeless. I guess would be the word I'm looking for in your own home. Do you ever redo anything or is it all just like this feels great forever? There are some things that feels great forever and it's there. And I think if you get that bone structure, that architecture right. So I'm always changing and editing things in my house. For me, in my home, there is, there's probably a, a good 50 to 75% that's there and it's always there. The rest are things that change, especially seasonally. Like when we were talking about the sofas in the fireplace, like I'm deep into spring I'm not sitting by, by the fireplace every night. I'm sitting you know, further away. You have know, brought, you know, my plants are in for the winter are now are now outside. And so my home changes very much depending on the season. Not that I'm redoing window treatments every week. You know, it's more so I have the architecture set the way that I, you know, uh, Robert Norris drew my home and love, I uh, absolutely love it. And that scale is there. So when you have that bone structure set, the little things can change and it's not it's not that you're being flippant. You're not taking down window treatments every other week. You're, you know, replacing flowers. Okay. Well, my my big thing that I wanted to talk about is your outdoor rooms. I would say mostly in the book, it was like screened porches. But if it were not for being able to see the walls and the fact that there was no wallpaper, you would have no idea that it was not an indoor room. So explain to us or to our listeners all of the many layers and things that you feel like are necessary in an outdoor room that most people overlook? Well, outside is just as much as part of the home as inside. And the amazing evolution of outdoor materials that can sustain the weather and temperatures and, and sunlight, what's at our resources right now? You know, if I wanted to put a high-end designer fabric on a sofa, well, let's be honest, I put it on three sofas. <laughs> that same design house has an outdoor sofa, uh, an outdoor fabric for an outdoor sofa. And that, you know, it can be teak, it can be metal, it can be aluminum. There's so many things. But the reason that's, that that I focus so much on the, on the outdoor places is there is this, what we call it salt on a chocolate chip cookie. It's this moment where, oh, I'm sitting on a, a, a velvet chaise outside and it's 72 degrees and I've got a Bloody Mary and the birds are chirping. You can't recreate that inside. Yes, you can sit on a velvet chaise inside. Yes, you can drink a Bloody Mary inside, but it's where all the senses, you know, really come together. You can hear the drip drip of the fountain. You can hear the birds. You can see, you can, you know, you're tasting what you're, what you're eating or drinking, but you can also, you know, maybe you walk down a path that's lined with mint or rosemary. And so smell and taste become involved in that. 
It's the feel, it's the touches. All the senses are engaged outside. And so back in the day, I can remember my great-grandmother, she had this this glider slider thing on her porch and it had this, it was like awning fabric. I mean, it was a plastic or some kind of bizarre space age something. And it would like, it would start crackling and it would hit you underneath your legs. Or, you know, if you're sat on your bathing suit after swimming, and then there was this kind of musty, moldy, like foamy thing underneath it. And, and then it, it, you know, there was like one day a year, like when she got it out and cleaned it, it was okay. The rest of the year, it was just dry rotting in the sun, like as you're sitting on it. And, you know, that was just in my lifetime as a kid. And now, I mean, I've just flipped open the book and looking at a page and, you know, now you can have fabric that's, you know, the, you have the acrylic dye and the, and the, and the technology that it can last outside. You know, it used to be that you had to bring all your pillows in and because it may be raining. I love that, that an outdoor space can be treated and appointed as properly as an indoor space. It's that salt on the chocolate chip cookie where you get that, ooh, that moment where I'm outside and life is good and it's a fun, fun place. Now, the twist on it is we're not really outside looking in, but when we're inside, we're looking out. You know, we're looking at pretty walls, but what are we looking towards are our windows. We're looking towards and we're looking forwards. So I, I really think that just a well-appointed outdoor room is one of the is one of the best best rooms in a home. So that's definitely one of my passions. What furniture. are we What are we forgetting to put in our outdoor space? Well, there are these things called lanterns that have been around <laughs> since you know Roman times, and lanterns don't always have to be on a post or on a bracket on the wall. Y'all have some great little lamps that I love in the in this spring catalog now, but. So lighting is the answer. Lamps, lighting. We've got the fabric. We've got the furniture. We've got all the you know fun things with that. But when it starts getting dark, and I'm still reading, or I'm flipping through the new Ballard catalog, or I've got you know I've got on Instagram those lights so bright. I I want that one more minute outside. I want that one more sip of that. You know, I want that one more that one last bite. Chair. It's that it's that happy moment. And I'm supposed to set that mood with a floodlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I you mean, know, so what would I do inside? I would have a lamp and that lamp creates ambiance. And so you'll see lanterns all throughout the outdoor spaces in my book. And, you know, they may be copper, they may be wood, they, you know, maybe some other type of metal, but we wire them, you know, but we just don't put them on a post. We put them on an end table like you would a lamp. So that's often what we're forgetting outside. I'm also wondering how you arrange the furniture in the in the outdoor space. Like, are you arranging it at a view like you might indoors? I mean, where are you deciding to put the furniture? So I start the outside design inside. So, for example, the little terrace that you're looking at, I opened the book to that. There's a fountain there, and that fountain is on axis with the dining room window. So I didn't want to block that, and I wanted that axis to stay open, but I did need to have twofold purpose outside. I needed a dining spot and I needed a lounging spot. So the lounging spot, I had a little more room on this terrace to the left so I could bank that sofa and chairs over there. But just like inside, if I sit in a chair, I have to have somewhere to put a drink down left, right, front, you know, I have to have that. And then opposite that, you know, I've got a table and bistro chairs that can serve as dining. It can serve as serving, you know, additional seating over there. But the, that center axis is is open, so that's that's a particular instance right there. But I do start the outside design 
inside and seeing you know, what you're, Smart. what you're seeing. I wouldn't have thought of that either. You know, like don't block the beautiful view of some, some moment in your yard with furniture. I live for a moment. What about outdoor entertaining? I mean, last last time you were on the show, it was episode 36, in case you want to go back and listen. We talked extensively about your indoor entertaining, like what you cook, when you set the table, all that, what you have to have on the table, all that. So what is your outdoor entertaining? So my outdoor entertaining, like go-to menu, I have my indoor one, and then I have my outdoor one, and it is a huge charcuterie board. I know that sounds ununoriginal and everyone's doing them right now, but there's a reason why the French started doing them They're 500 years so ago. Good. Always so good. Cheese straws, soft cheeses, strawberries. Let's get some rosé going. And it's still cool enough that if someone wants you know, a Pinot Noir, they could have a little bit of red. So that's kind of the mood that I'm thinking right now for, for spring. Very simple in that as summer comes along, it's so much more much more things to kind of go with it. And especially as the, the fruits of the summer, you know, come into play. But if you're serving outside, you also have to think about those things that almost get better the longer they sit, because I don't really want to have to be running back and forth inside and, and, and restocking and reloading. So another, another thing that I love is a good old fashioned, I love a wilted salad. And what you can do is when you rub the garlic in the wooden bowl, but it's that last little bit that soaked up all the vinegar and lemon juice at the very end. And that just that brightness is so good. I love that outside. And then panzanella. So you know, when the when the bread has started soaking up all all that, um, especially when the tomatoes, you know, come into play. So those vinegary, something about the heat, I love like vinegary crisp bites and that entertaining cucumber salad. And it's just cucumbers and vinegar pretty much, but it's that same, it's that same note right there. And then I like to use a harder, firmer cheese, like when it's really warm, because then it softens as it as it you know kind of gets accustomed to the temperature, and it's easier to serve. But I'm I'm just telling you, if you if you really want to keep it as plain and simple as possible, and it's better the warmer it gets mm. too. <laughs> it just it is it is. So I think about that with that with that outside stuff. So have we sufficiently talked yes, about I all this so to where hungry. we're starving now? <laughs> Carolyn, I feel like it's time for us to do a dilemma. We probably, yeah, we should do a dilemma. We get excessively chatty with you, James. We're having fun. I'm having so much fun. Okay. I'm actually really excited about Tiffany's question because the last like string of dilemmas we've gotten, they've been like really upping their game in terms of the rooms they're sending. Oh, y'all going to stump the chump. I know you are. No, 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 no. Okay. So I'll, I'll read it and. All right. All right. Hello, brilliant people. I'm pretty sure that my husband and sons think you're my actual friends. Every time I go missing in the house, they eventually find me hiding out in my sewing room and your voice is coming out of the phone. I'm convinced they don't interrupt me because they think I'm in the middle of a conversation. So thank you for giving me a few extra minutes of solitude every once in a while. My question is about my living room. I love most everything in it except the large mirror over the sofa and the matching photos and table flanking the case opening at the far wall. Those are just all just fillers until I find the right thing. That room at the far end is a schoolroom, yay. It possibly will turn into some sort of family room when we eventually do our kitchen renovation. I love antiques and I'm happy with the items we've purchased, but it's starting to feel old and gray and, and brown. I like old, but I still want it to feel fresh. I've set aside some funds to eventually have the walls paneled and painted. They are just too flat. I have always wanted to paint the whole thing a white or some form of white, but most of it is under an east-facing portico, so it gets very 
little light, except for early morning when we are never in it. There are also a lot of really tall trees that block the light. White is my first choice, but I'm worried it will never look the way I want it to because it's so dark. If I don't paint it white, I would choose something like a cadet blue or a color like this. She's referring to that um, first color. There's a room on the TV screen that mm-hmm. has sort mm-hmm. of like all blue mm-hmm. paneling. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, but if I paint paint it blue, do I keep my window mullions white? What do I keep white and what do I keep blue? Also of note is that my husband's office is across the hall from this and it's a deep navy. So perhaps this blue is a bad idea. We primarily use the room during evenings and weekends to watch television. We also use it as the main gathering spot when we have friends and family over. It's about 15 by 21 feet. My main question is what can I do to bring some light, life, and color into this room? Would overhead lighting make sense or more lighting in other parts of the room? We would love to purchase a pair of recliners that don't look like recliners. Any advice on those? Would you do something interesting to the ceiling? It's hard to put all this into a question because I really just need good direction to finish the space. I've been working on it for years. Please tell me what to get rid of, what to keep, and what I need to purchase. I'm all ears. Thanks again for keeping us entertained and inspired throughout 2020 and beyond. Tiffany. So, James, what do you do? I got this, y'all. I got it. All right. First off, Tiffany, props, my friend. You've done a great job. a girl. So, One of the things that happens, and this is why I have a job, is you stare at your living room all day long and you don't know what to do. So then when someone with a fresh eye comes in and sees it, oh, James, you're such a genius. No, I'm not. I'm in the business. I see your living room. It's my first time seeing it, but I can tell you a handful of things that right away are going to make a huge difference. First off, I love the room arrangement. I love the two sofas, and I hear you with the two recliners. So if you're bringing those in, you may want to consider some editing. I think the two windows that have the opening and closing shutters, let's take those shutters off and back that sofa to that wall. And then you can use some type of Roman shade or we can do panels either side of the windows and have a shade that comes down that this like the working window treatment. She she may not even need that. So maybe she may just only, you know, for privacy, not light. So, you know, when we see a picture right now on our phones, first thing we do is we blow it up. I go right onto it. I woof. That's the first thing that I want to do to to Tiffany's living room is I just want to poof, just add a little bit of space in there. So if we back the sofa, you know, take the take the shutters off those windows, back that other sofa up, and then let's negotiate the ottoman closer to one of the sofas, and then that leaves a little bit of room for you know maybe it's a little wooden bench, maybe it's two odd little ottomans, you know, those need mobile pieces for an additional coffee table or you know footrest. But when it comes to color and texture in here, what I would do is first off, paint the ceiling a beautiful light blue, gray, you know, something. Because if you're dealing with Eastern light, let's think about that's the morning light. That's very clear, crisp light. And one of the things that would be great with that would be a, you know, and I'm getting the inspiration from one of the rooms you showed that had kind of a dustier blue. But let's have that kind of little bit of blue on the ceiling. And then keep all your trim white. I would keep all your crown, your baseboards, all your window mullions, all of that. Keep all that white. But then we get to talk about one of my favorite subjects. And and I have to quote one of our cabinet guys that works with us. He he asked me one day, he said, James, I'm priming these cabinets. Are they white or are they white, white? (laughs) I mean, how brilliant is that? And so, Tiffany, I think what we need to do is have a series of, of different colored textures and white for your walls and trim. Keep the trim white, but let's do 
a grass cloth on your walls that is woven of different whites. So it'll have a papered background, but perhaps it has sisal and raffia wrapped, you know, woven in there. And that's going to give you some texture. It's going to give you some depth to your walls. But let's say that the colorway is, is flax and it's on a cream background. Well, then immediately you've got so many different shades running through there. And I think that'll give you a better feel than painted paneling would perhaps. And it'll be a lot less expensive. And then what I would recommend, if you want to use what you have, go on and take your two big prints that are on either end. And let's put those over the sofa and let's do two mirrors on the end where the big prints are. And those two mirrors are going to just reflect the entire room as opposed to the one mirror reflecting one, one side of the room. So I think you're, at, you're on a great start. And I, I really love the direction you've got going. But the, I'd start, the very first thing I do is paint your ceiling blue. What about adding blue in other ways? Well, yes. funny you mentioned that, lamps. So now that she's backed her other sofa to the you know, to the window. She could do four and not that they have to be matching lamps, but let's talk about blue now. They could be four, they could be blue and white lamps. You know, they could be celadon lamps. They could be, you know, beautiful pottery that's got more of like a sky or an azure glaze to it. So, though, you know, two could be blue and white and two could be pottery. You know, I think there's a, a mix that, that you could do, but those four lamps would, to me, alleviate the need for any overhead lighting. If you really wanted some overhead lighting, you could do like a, a flush, a, a semi-flush mount. But honestly, painting the ceiling, and I would use, Benjamin Moore has a finish that's called Pearl. Actually, they have a color called Pearl in Pearl finish. And Pearl is one of those, what I call an uncolor. It's not gray. It's not blue. So I, I, would, I would do Pearl and a Pearl finish, have four lamps, and have those in kind of a blue you know, tone as well. Let's have some pleated lampshades <laughs> on those four lamps, two mirrors where the prints are. And I think you could really, you could really liven it up. But the other thing that I'd mention is if you didn't reuse your two prints over the sofa that's on the wall, I think that could be a statement wall for a screen, a huge abstract landscape. I mean, that could be your place where it's like, wow, looky here. Here's a really cool statement. You're doing a good job. Looks great. Yeah. I mean, Tiffany really, I mean, okay, I was scared of a dilemma. She's she's done the <laughs> she's done the heavy lifting. All we have to do is talk about some painting here or there. So I thought for sure you were gonna say a, a patterned wallpaper. But I mean, you, I was half right. Was you were half, half right. right. I still did a yeah. paper, but the pattern is more so in grass cloth. And grass cloth runs, you know, some grass cloth is silk, some grass cloth is raffia, some grass cloth is sisal. So you can just look at so many different versions of it. But I think that like tone on tone of linen, flax, cream, white, that woven, you know, is that's really going to give give that room something really, really, really fun. And well, Caroline, and, and if, I, if you really want me to answer the way you were, I was thinking, if you do a pattern, I think a stripe would be really great, like a, an acanthus leaf stripe or um, a tone on tone stripe. Stripe could be really fun, too. But I'm all for grass cloth because it's forgiving. And if you're moving pictures around, you don't see the nail holes. All right, Tiffany, best of luck. Thank you. Please send us after photos. Your room is so pretty. I'm I'm very impressed. James, can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, get your book, all that good stuff? Instagram at James T. Farmer. And you can also follow us at James Farmer Inc. for events and other installs as well. And then my books, 
including my latest, Arriving Home, are all available at jamesfarmer.com, the only place where you can get a signed copy. All right, that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcastballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy happy decorating. decorating!